0: For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Bolliou. The importance of purpose in company culture cannot be overstated. People want to work at organizations that are responding to societal issues and where their values are embraced. It isn't enough anymore to turn a profit. Companies should have a purpose, and it is key to driving a winning workplace culture. Creating such a culture, of course, takes time and effort. Strategies must be developed to ensure purpose is part of the fabric of the company and has relevance to all employees. Only then can the business transform itself and do good in the world. Optimizing employee experiences is an area of specialty at the woman-owned brand agency, Sullivan & Company. Working with both brands and nonprofit organizations, Sullivan helps clients advance their purposeful efforts and move audiences to action. Joining me to discuss Sullivan's work in building strong employer brands is Nicole Ferry. A partner and the executive director of strategy at the firm. She has applied decades of experience to companies including American Express, Goldman Sachs, LinkedIn, and Twitter, as well as to higher education institutions including Duke, Stanford, and Brown. Nicole, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Nicole, before we get into the crux of our conversation today, um, I want to ask you your thoughts about how brands are responding to the, cri- to the crisis in Ukraine. Um, Are are you feeling positive about what you're seeing out there?
1: Well, I would say you can see the struggle. I I know that a lot of our clients struggle with how do they respond? And often a blanket high-level vote of support uh, or not doesn't usually land well. Uh, It feels superficial. And so the question becomes, what is meaningful? How should a brand meaningfully respond? I think also it's about being specific. It's not just that high level we support Ukraine, but really how are you demonstrating it in action through your brand? And there are a few ways to do that. And we can see some good examples of that Mm -hmm. in in the market. So it often helps if your brand and your talent are aligned with the cause. So for Mm -hmm. example, Amazon has offered logistics infrastructure and cybersecurity expertise. And there's an, of course, there, because uh, that kind of help directly corresponds with what they're good at. Mm-hmm. And and so they're able to talk about that a little more easily because, one, it meets the expectations that people have of the company. And two, it's true. They're actually putting their effort where their marketing Speak is, and they're delivering on promises um, of that support. Maybe companies don't have relevant talent that they can lend to the cause. Sometimes it's about making a tangible commitment. So, is it pulling out of Russia? Is it supporting organizations on the ground? Is it holding aside jobs for Ukrainian refugees? We see a lot of this happening in the market as well. And that goes a little further than just talking about support, and it's saying we're making a commitment. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll probably talk today a lot about putting real commitments behind what you say about purpose in the market and how that really strengthens people's perception about about the words that you're saying. You're really starting to to, um, walk the talk. And then sometimes it doesn't have to be about yourself. And I think that we see this done successfully, too, where companies might showcase their employees and what they are doing in support of the effort. And sometimes it's about just recognizing that the company has employees in Ukraine who need to know that they have their backs and making that known on all channels um, so that those employees can reach out or showcasing their employees that have made significant contributions to the cause in different ways as well. And we work with a lot of B2B companies, Mm -hmm. turning the spotlight on partners or customers or organizations that are making a difference. It doesn't always have to be about you. It can just say, hey, look at what these great organizations are doing in support of this. We really appreciate their effort.
0: That's terrific. Are, are some of your clients reaching out to you at all about this? Just asking for your advice, or or vice versa? Are you reaching out to them to say, "Hey, this is a this is a moment in time where you could really step up and make a difference"?
1: Clients certainly, particularly given the immediacy of social um, and the social right. channels, um, often come to us and say, "What should we be saying?" Uh, and and how do yeah. we respond? Right. And um, generally, we come back to them with with uh, those four things I just talked about. Are you doing anything? Are you contributing your talents in any way? Are you making a tangible commitment? Can you talk about your employees? Uh, Do you have partners you can highlight? If you don't, you might not wanna step into that conversation in the Mm -hmm. absence of any of that. You might wanna think about or find those examples within your organization or partners where you can have a legitimate conversation. You want to have something of substance to say, right. or sometimes it's better not to say anything at all.
0: Absolutely, well, thank you for sharing that. So let's get back to the, the focus of the conversation around you know building strong employer brands. There's a heightened emphasis on purpose across industry sectors, you're, you're seeing that um, now, especially. Talk about the, employance, uh, the importance, I should say, of getting employee experience right and the benefits of that to a business.
1: I think with the heightened emphasis on purpose, there has also been a lot of different terminology talked about and, and the labels are sometimes confusing. So if you don't mind for a second, I might talk about how we think about the different labels sure. because it, it, um, it helps me to address your question too. So when we think about purpose, we think about the tangible benefit of a company to its audiences and where that intersects with the company's values Mm -hmm. and the positive impact it is making in the world beyond profit.
0: Right.
1: Do you like how I did that?
0: Yes, absolutely, thank you.
1: (laughs) So, So the company's overall purpose can and should umbrella all of its communications. When we think about employer brand, that's the articulation of what the company promises to its employees, really the value of working with the company. And purpose is a really big part of that, but it's one component. Then the overall culture is another component, what the people are like, what it feels like to work there, and opportunity, the the professional growth and what that looks like might even be another um, part of that employer brand. And then the employee experience should be how that company interacts with its employees across every touch point. Mm -hmm. So I just threw out a lot, but I know that I'm going to be talking about all of those things and how they relate to each other. Mm -hmm. And it gets back to your question about the heightened emphasis on purpose Mm -hmm. and um, how that influences how the employee experience Mm -hmm. should be and and the importance of it. Mm As far as the heightened emphasis, we see that it has been driven a lot by employees. The employees are actually starting to question and have questioned um, over time, how how am I making a difference beyond profits to Mm -hmm. my company? Mm -hmm. And so companies have had to think more about it, particularly as recruiting has gotten more challenging Mm -hmm. and more competitive. While companies used to be able to live by the mantra, first do no harm, now candidates are looking for the companies who are doing the most good. But good doesn't have to mean just saving the world. For-profit companies don't have to sound like nonprofit companies, but when it's done right, a company's purpose is clear, specific, and woven into the employee and customer experience. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of seen an evolution I would say about a decade ago or so with the growth of the big tech companies, there was a lot of discussion about culture. That at the time was just loosely translated into benefits, perks, and maybe not being so corporate.
0: Sure.
1: And on culture pages of the websites, there was a lot of talk about food and foosball. And um, we were working at the time with the really innovative investment manager, Two Sigma, And they needed to recruit from the same rarefied pool of engineers and modelers as Google and Facebook, who were at the time, kind of the kings of free food and foosball. And even though Two Sigma had the same kind of perks, what we found is that their employees were even more engaged around the company's purpose which was bringing science to financial services and uncovering the truth in the world's data. They have Mm -hmm. amazing amounts of data and they create algorithms that really predict what's going to happen in the world and make investment decisions. And that's based on interconnected facts and not intuition and gut.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when they started being clear about their purpose, they were no longer getting on the defensive about trying to win the benefits war. It really became around about... Recruiting people who get excited about changing an industry and doing things differently and doing everything based on making decisions based on data, sure. et cetera.
0: Sure.
1: Once we realized that was re- what really charged everyone at the organization and got them excited, the question was, well, how do you bring it to life across the experience? Mm-hmm. And that exercise became about mapping everything from the recruiting process to onboarding to the ongoing employee engagement and looking for opportunities across that whole life cycle to infuse this idea of purpose and their culture um, into those different touch points.
0: I want to go back, uh, Nicole, to um, a point you made about purpose intersecting with values. Do you think brands often mistake values for purpose?
1: I think I think so. And that, that goes back to the the confusing terminology. I remember a prospect started talking to us about needing a messaging platform around purpose. And what they said in their request for proposal is that they needed they needed a purpose, a positioning, company values, a mission, vision. And, and an employer brand and, and a way to talk about their culture. And we thought, Oh my gosh, even if we could create a platform that talked about all of those individually,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how would anybody even know how to use it? Right. I th- I think simplicity and clarity are, are very important in figuring out how to talk about your company's purpose. And you don't need umpteen different versions of that you really just need to be very clear about what that overall purpose is and and how your business intersects with your values Mm -hmm. to create it Mm -hmm. and then um and then really it's about tailoring that message to different audiences really your employer brand is just it's focused on one of your audiences, your recruits and your existing employees mm-hmm. um, and how that purpose trickles down into the messaging to that audience.
0: So you've you talked about the importance of uh, building a strong employer brand. In your experience, where do companies fall short in this area?
1: I think in two ways. One, in thinking that it's going to be like boiling the ocean and making it so. And then two, what I call the integrity, excellence, and collaboration trap. Mm-hmm. So I'll cover the boiling the ocean first. Sure. For a big global multidivisional company, it can feel daunting to try to articulate the employer brand across different industries and geographies. And particularly when a company has grown through acquisition, because you're melding a whole lot of different, different cultures. And, I think one of our experiences um, really helped us rethink what you need in order to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, we worked with Wolters Kluwer, and they are a multi-billion dollar company that serves healthcare professionals, financial services professionals, tax professionals, lawyers, um, really, to help them make critical decisions um, as it relates to their areas of expertise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were facing the same kinds of challenges in recruiting, particularly tech talent, but talent all over the world. And they decided we really need to have a better employer value proposition. And obviously, this company could have taken a year plus to do this. Mm-hmm. But instead, They are one of the most efficient companies we have ever worked with. They said, we are going to do this in a day. We need help pulling together a group of people who represent the rest of the company. And these were people of different tenure to the Mm -hmm. company across different divisions, different global markets, different generations. And uh, they said, they're going to represent us. And we are going to run a day-long workshop. And at the end of the workshop, we're going to present our ideas to the head of communications. And we said, are you really going to make the decisions this quickly and put essentially the power in these people's hands in order to do this? And sure enough, they did. And the values that they all identified that made up their employer brand still live on their um, website and throughout all of their offices today and are actually also incorporated into a lot of their employee evaluation um, measures as well. Now, how did they do this? The truth is, is that if you actually have a strong culture, it's all right there at the surface. It just Mm -hmm. needs to be articulated. And it doesn't have to take as much time and you don't have to get quite as much input as you think you do Mm -hmm. in order to um, really bubble it up um, or package it. And, and start talking about it throughout your organization. The second way that a company might fall short is, um, I think I called it the integrity, excellence and collaboration trap. Mm-hmm at the risk of sounding like fake news, I'm going to give you a fake statistic right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about 99% of big companies talk about at least one of those values, integrity, excellence, or collaboration on on their career section of their site. I'm pretty sure my fake stat probably holds up. So why is this a problem? Mm -hmm. One, because if everyone says the same thing, How do people make decisions around why they should work with you versus another company? And and that's true for customers versus, you know, potential recruits, but particularly for potential recruits, how are you helping them make a decision? Two, these values should kind of be expected. If you have to talk about integrity, isn't that a problem? Shouldn't I assume that? Also, shouldn't I assume excellence? If you're in business, you're probably excellent at something.
0: Part and parcel with the job.
1: (laughs) Part and parcel with the job. Um, I hope that you're excellent at what you do. Here's why they're so prevalent. You can't argue with them. And it's hard to sell in to a company what it stands for across an entire organization to everyone. But it's better to make the braver choice because if they're not specific, they give no picture of what it's like to work at your company. And that's what you really wanna do is paint a picture of what an employee's experience will actually be like.
0: Hey there, Beyond Profit listener. Are you looking for more ways to become smarter about purposeful marketing? Then allow me to introduce you to the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. The center offers playbooks, articles, events, a committee, training, and much more, all created to help you bring your brand's purpose to life. You can learn more about all the resources available by visiting ANA.net slash brand purpose. Now back to the show. You you made a point about tying performance to company's purpose. And I know that that's a topic that you're starting to see more people talk about. Um, Is that a message to your clients as well that, you know, When when you're when you're helping them discover purpose or activate their purpose, that that has to be part of the employee evaluation process. There's got to be some connection to that.
1: Absolutely, and even you know, as we trickle down to the next level around employer value proposition, I've talked about it as being an an expression of what an employee uh, an employer is promising an employee. Yeah. But it also should be signaling an expectation of the employee to the employer and their colleagues. And so often as we are thinking about setting those expectations as it relates to the employer brand and recruitment marketing um, and internal communications, that is one way that really, again, kind of puts that intention into Mm -hmm. practice in an immediate way Mm -hmm. is saying, this is how we're going to evaluate you and this is how you are going to evaluate us as a company. So it's it's that kind of circle of, uh, of truth, so to speak, in mm-hmm. making sure that people are really delivering because they know that their performance is being evaluated by it.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the importance of communicating purpose across all touch points, not only internally with, with staff, but but externally as well? This obviously is a key area of the employee experience overall. What do companies need to do to make sure they get it right?
1: So when we, we're a brand engagement firm, and when we think about branding in general, there is the message, and then there is how you communicate that message across your different touch points. And I'm going to use a higher ed example, because when we are thinking about recruiting, there's probably no company in the world that has to recruit as competitively as a university.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we, when we think about universities, there is a clear, I don't want to call it a path because it's not linear. Uh, students revisit this decision-making process a lot through um, when they're deciding where to go to college. But there's the knowing, is the school a good fit? Imagining, what will life be like there? Mm-hmm. Planning, can I go? And usually that's a financial decision. And then deciding, and' I'll, sometimes that's about, does this university care about me? And sometimes that's when you already have been accepted and you're trying to figure out oh, which which am I choosing? And so when we think about that experience, we unearth as many different ways to, drive those decisions and drive that engagement across each of those components of the decision and identify not just the channel, but also the objectives that we are trying to achieve in order to move people from one, to move people closer to their ultimate decision. So I'll give you an example. Uh, We worked with Duke Admissions and we were able to unearth a lot of different ways to really infuse the value proposition of going to Duke into each of the touch points. For example, Duke loves their team sports, but going to Duke is a team sport. Students are meant to collaborate. And it was interesting when we first started working with them, they were very focused on highlighting individuals. And a lot of universities do this. They will showcase individual professors. They will showcase individual students. And we said, you know, the way you talk about yourself is not about individual achievement. It's about the collective. You get most excited when people achieve together. And so we featured instead the groups of researchers and how they collaborate on campus. We we featured um, how students and, and faculty collaborate together, and even with outside organizations, to really... To signal what that experience is actually look actually looks like. And even on the website that we created with them, it was about following a group of freshman friends throughout their different days and how they went off and did different things and then came back together and shared to capture that feeling of collaboration and teamwork that really flows through the experience. Another great part of the Duke experience is the campus. And of course, existing students know that But for potential students, what we heard over and over is if they got to campus, they were sold. So we realized that for all of those recruiting communications, it wasn't about applying even. It was just about getting people to campus. How do we make it as attractive and easy as possible for them to get to campus so that they could fall in love just like a lot of people do when they visit? Then when we looked at that communication experience, too, what we realized is Duke's biggest objective was to convert more of their accepted students. But communication stopped after acceptance. There was a bit of a reveal and a bit of a celebration, but then after that, there was nothing, and that's a really big time in a potential student's life where they're they're trying to figure out can i go do i want to go do i want to go to this other place mm-hmm. and so we, we said well what if you what if you really make that part of the communication much more robust and mm-hmm. continue those communications by introducing them to more of the community and having them interact online with mm-hmm. with some of some existing students and even faculty what if you provide them with more information to help them with their decision, give them even more of a sense of what it might like to be there, and then infusing every new touch point and with messaging around what it means to be a part of Duke.
0: Right. What a what a great case study. It's amazing. So So you talked about recruiting students. Now I'd like to flip a little bit and talk about the acquiring and retaining talent at businesses. What role does marketing play in that?
1: Well, companies should be thinking about employees. And when I say that, recruiting, of course, but even their existing employees as their customers and as an important audience that should have its own value proposition and experience. And so sometimes when we think about business with their marketing departments, know that they really have to have a good relationship with sales if it's mm-hmm. a if it's a very sales-driven company. But in this scenario, Sales is to customers, as human resources is to recruits and employees. So a company would never expect sales to define and carry the message single-handedly. And human resources shouldn't be expected to do that either. But sometimes they are. Sometimes human resources departments are the ones who come to us and say, hey, can you help us with our recruitment marketing? Which is great. We love that. But it's almost a missed opportunity internally that their marketing folks are not as in lockstep with the human resources folks as it relates to um, recruiting as the marketing people might be in lockstep with sales. Mm -hmm. So just like marketing needs to work hand in hand with sales and salespeople know the process, the barriers, the customers best, so does marketing need to work with human resources who know the process, the barriers, and the recruits and employees best. So it's really about working in collaboration to define the employer brand, the current and ideal journey, and the eventual communications and touch points that support that ideal journey.
0: A couple of years ago, uh, we found in an A&A survey that B2B companies in particular struggle when it comes to getting buy-in from sales. Mm-hmm. Marketers, marketers were buying into purpose, sales, not so much. They thought it was like warm and fuzzy and perhaps nothing else. Has there been a sea change? And you've talked about you work with B2B clients. Are you seeing sales now um, a little more closely aligned with purpose, the purpose strategy of organizations?
1: I think so. But they really need to be given the tools in order to do so. I, I think that a lot of times companies set that purpose at that highest level. And even companies who do a good job of it don't necessarily help sales translate it into the conversations they actually have to have about products and services. And so that I think is sometimes the broken link, but it's it's easily mended if again sales and marketing are working together to figure out here from a sales point of view, here are the conversations I actually have to have. Yeah how and when am I supposed to weave in the conversation of our, of our higher purpose right. without sounding like I'm just forcing it in essentially. Sure. And, and that's probably a combination of a couple things. One is making sure that they know where in the relationship they're supposed to be bringing that up. You might imagine that usually that's in the awareness building and the interest-generating stage versus at purchase. At purchase, companies need to know, well, how is this going to work? How's the relationship going to work? How do these products work, et cetera? And purpose becomes a little less important, but it might be why they initially engage with the company in the first place. So it's very important in kind of higher on up in the funnel.
0: So you you mentioned that you work with nonprofit organizations. Are there any lessons that brands can take from nonprofits about building a strong workplace culture?
1: I'm gonna make the distinction between culture and purpose. Nonprofits are great about having a strong purpose. Essentially, their business is their purpose. purpose. And so it's, it's part and parcel. That doesn't necessarily mean they have a strong culture across the board. What they do have is alignment and that's very helpful. And I think that a lot of for-profit businesses can certainly learn from that and see how a strong purpose actually provides alignment across the organization. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Everybody has a model for making decisions because that purpose is so clear, doesn't necessarily lead to culture. You have to work on that
0: separately. Exactly, exactly. So you mentioned about the review process, tying purpose to the review process. Should should purpose in your mind be tied to executive compensation?
1: I think that's a great question. I think that only if you have done the work in figuring out how specifically you are going to measure the impact you are making through your purpose. It's really tricky to link compensation to something that is not measurable. And ideally, you should be identifying measurable goals to achieve your purpose. Mm
0: -hmm. If you've
1: done that, I think that makes it easier to link to compensation than leaving it somewhat squishy.
0: So we we know that getting buy-in from the CEO on down is is key to um, activating purpose. What advice do you have for companies about staying the course through thick and thin, the ups and downs, so as to avoid Charges of purpose washing.
1: I think that being consistent really starts with a plan. Just as a brand strategy is only a deck until mm-hmm. it is infused into communications. So is purpose a conceptual promise until you make it real? And a plan helps to make it real. How are you actively going to live your purpose? How does it translate into all aspects of your business from hiring to product development, to sales, to operations? hmm because only when you have it embedded into your business can a brand or marketing person have something to say. Marketing and communications are the least of your worries <laughs> if you if you haven't already built that into your organization. And I think that we've been working with JP Morgan for a while and we've been impressed by how much they've started to align their promise of people and and what they do to a commitment to diversity. And I don't want to call it a purpose exactly, but certainly they have made a very strong commitment and it is a multi-pronged commitment. They've committed through the people they hire and the partners they work with. 58% of their hires are ethnically diverse and 48% of global hires are women They've committed 30 billion over the next five years to drive an inclusive recovery, break down barriers of systemic racism and to support mm-hmm. employees. They've committed 8 billion in mortgages for black and Latinx candidates. And then they have charity partners as well. And so they have very specific goals and commitments that they've made right. that allows them to be able to talk about this. And it is in those commitments. That they are proving to their employees and their recruits that they mean it, and it's also and and to their external audience as well, and that's to what, what I mean about walking the talk.
0: Sure. Um,
1: marketing becomes a whole lot easier, and and building that you had mentioned charges of purpose washing. It's it's harder to make those charges when people are really making a very specific commitment. You can still question whether they've done everything that they needed to do up until this moment but if they've made a commitment and they're specific about it mm-hmm. and it's more even it's on multiple dimensions you have to start giving them credit for for you know making the commitment and making the attempt to 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 do better
0: the, the most purposeful brands work with charity partners um, what are the keys to making those partnerships work
1: one is alignment with the company's purpose. So from a values perspective and for their for-profit reason for being. Another is to enable more than just monetary support, Mm -hmm. but be able to get the employee base to participate in the partnership as well. And then, like I was just talking about being specific about the commitment and measuring progress over time and reporting back. Those are usually the ways to, um, to, to make sure that the partnership is meaningful and it's not just about the money, but it really is about how it it matches with what you're trying to do overall as a company. Mm -hmm. And it is getting more of your employees involved.
0: Um, To bring this conversation full circle now. So, so we talked about, there are lots of great examples out there of folks leaning into their purpose through COVID, through the Ukraine crisis, other cultural movements. So do you feel that brands, Um, or more brands finally understand the transformative power of purpose? Or is there still much work to do in your mind?
1: There's less work in convincing companies that purpose is important. Mm -hmm. I know this because every day prospects and clients are asking about it and, and wanting to make sure that they are articulating it. But there is a lot of work to be done to identify what that purpose is and making those business commitments behind it. And then making sure that it's infused across communications to all of their audiences. We've been talking a lot about the recruiting and employee audience, but also their customer. Their customers should feel it uh, across all of the touch points as well. And only, only by it being really embedded into their business practices Does it make it substantive and real.
0: Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on Beyond Profit. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: To learn more about Sullivan and Company, please visit SullivanNYC.com. That's SullivanNYC.com. And if you would like to recommend a topic or a guest for this podcast, please email me at brandpurpose at ana.net. That's brandpurpose at ana.net. Until next time, thanks for listening.